Today on Home Court Press, Makeda and I try to remain measured after a 37-point Jazz win in Game 3, taking a 2-1 series lead. Mountain Mike Conley has his playoff best performance from the three-point line. Rudy Gobert dominates on both ends, and the Jazz ball movement continues to show some serious cracks in the Nuggets' defense. Can the Jazz step on the Nuggets' throat, taking a commanding 3-1 series lead on Sunday afternoon? Find our answers to that and more coming up next on Home Court Press. Drop it off, and Gobert able to hammer Ingles to Mitchell. Good eye contact in the hammer by Donovan Mitchell. Ingles, another lob this time to Gobert. Drop it into Gobert again, he flips it up and in. Gobert has been the offense. Clarkson dropping it off again. Oh, Rudy Gobert's got 20 and nine. Conley's got Jokic on the switch, the step back three, good! Oh, Jokic threw it right to Mitchell, the former slam dunk champion, right hand tomahawk. Welcome into Home Court Press. It's a beautiful Saturday morning. The Salt Lake Valley is a little bit covered in smoke, but that's okay because we got McCade Pearson out here setting fires talking about the I, Utah Jazz. I didn't start any of these ones, though, let's be clear. <laughs> Okay, so no actual forest fires started by McCade, but if we're talking yeah, jazz basketball, jazz it's here. The jazz shooting might be responsible for these fires. The Jazz have been shooting incredible so far in these playoffs. The three games with the most three-pointers made in franchise history have been games one, two, and three in this Nuggets series. 16 in game one, 20 in game two, 18 yesterday. This is a whole different brand of jazz of basketball. It's been a lot of fun to watch. It is very, very fun to watch, and the results have been great. I, you had that inner pull where you like always want a little bit more, and so you look back and you're like, dang, if we just could have stolen game one, the series would be over. Like, have them right where we want them. But it's 2-1, and so you can't really complain about that. You just move forward and got to get two more wins. Hey, but I'll tell you what you can complain about. So, local broadcast from the Jazz, AT&T Sportsnet. I'm not a fan. I've complained about some of the things they do all season. First of all, just the fact that they still have Matt Harpring on the broadcasts. I I don't like Matt Harpring, but that's okay. (laughs) So my TV is set to record every new jazz game that comes up, but if there's a local broadcast and a national broadcast, it chooses the local broadcast every time. So I was out working last night, had to come home and watch the the game, and was forced to watch the AT&T Sportsnet broadcast. And I got to tell you, man, They've never used a three-man booth during the regular season, and now they're doing this socially distanced three-man booth with nobody in the same room together. Bowler and Thurl are at the arena. Is Matt still in Atlanta? Matt is still in Georgia, and at least, I don't know, probably four or five times a quarter, Matt likes to chime in in the middle of somebody else's sentence and offer some input that is useless. I don't like Matt Harpring and why they're doing this three-man booth when none of them have done it before, and it just doesn't work. And not only that, this AT&T Sportsnet broadcast, their in-arena sound levels are terrible because I couldn't hear whistles all game. Play would stop, and I was like, wait, what happened? Was there a call? And it would take a second or two, you know, to get the visual indication that there had been a foul call, unless it was something obvious. There were several times where a foul was called away from the ball, and I don't know why the guys stopped for a couple of seconds. That's just frustrating. AT&T Sportsnet, figure it out, or Jazz, maybe find somebody else to air your games. It's just not working out. But the rest of the game, real happy about. If we're actually talking about the Jazz game, 
fantastic. They win by 37 yesterday. So, McCade, let's recap a, a few things that we've seen that we've never seen before. So in game one, obviously Donovan's 57 points, the third highest individual scoring performance in playoff history behind Michael Jordan and Elgin Baylor. That's a good list to be on. Game that two. That is a good list. <laughs> game two, the Jazz hit a franchise record 23s in that game. And now game three, the 37-point margin of victory was the third highest margin of victory in Jazz playoff history. Could we really ask for much more from this series besides maybe a game one win if we can avoid a couple couple brain farts, that eight-second yeah. call, and a couple missed shots? Oh, yeah, it is what it is at this point. Um, you just got to move forward and, as I said, pick up two more wins. But it's been really, really fun. And the thing with the three-point shooting is it's not like it's been outlandish. It was, you know, what, 34% in game one? That's fine. And then it's been 46 and 49 the last couple games. Like, yeah. those are really, really good numbers. But it's not been a, oh, yeah, we shot 20 for 35 game or something crazy, crazy out there. They're just getting up a ton of shots, and that's really, really good. If you want to make a lot of threes, you got to shoot a lot of threes. So this, I'm not going to say sustainable, but it's sustainable to a level. This isn't fluky. It's sustainable against the Nuggets the way that they're playing defense. They've got, at any given time, at least two or three players on the floor that seem indifferent to defense. Michael Porter Jr. and Nikola Jokic are top of that list they just either don't seem to care. Jokic definitely looked like he didn't care. He was going through the motions, especially on the defensive end yesterday. Michael Porter Jr., I don't know if he doesn't care or if he just has no concept of how to play, but the amount of times we see Nuggets defenders out of position is astonishing to me so far in this series. Yeah, the third quarter of the Jazz offense had a little rough stretch. Donovan took some really dumb mid-range shots, and one of them, he's trying to draw a foul off Jokic, kind of at the elbow, and... The refs didn't give him the whistle, awful jumper that doesn't even hit the rim. But looking back at it, the reason it wasn't a foul is because Jokic just flat out didn't try. Mm -hmm. Didn't lift his arms at all, didn't lift his fingers at all, didn't lift anything at all. Like, if Jokic tried there, that, Donovan probably gets that foul call. But the ref looked at that and said, yeah, he didn't try at all, so I'm not going to give you the foul call because you barely bumped his hip and you caused that contact because this guy wasn't even paying attention. I mean, for being quote-unquote the best center in the league, <laughs> Nikola Jokic has left quite a bit to desire the last couple games. You compare him to Rudy Gobert, they're still matching each other minute for minute on the floor. Jokic yesterday was 6 of 13 from the field, most of that coming in the second half. He only scored 15 points, had 6 assists, 5 rebounds, but there was just an air of disinterest that if I'm a, if I'm a Nuggets fan, if I'm Mike Malone, it concerns me to see my best player get taken out of a game mentally so thoroughly. Our friends over at Denver Stiffs have some good articles rolling. Um, they're, they're been pretty honest. I saw one, I can't remember from Denver, who was from, and they're like, Jamal Murray led the Nuggets in scoring with 12 points. And then in parentheses, it's like, well, Jokic had 15, but we're not saying anything good about him. So we're going with Jamal Murray as the city scoring 12 points. So... They're having some mental breakdowns over there, and I can't blame them. But on our perspective, things are great. Yeah, you got to love it as a Jazz fan. So, McCade, I was thinking with this game, because it was such a blowout, the fourth quarter didn't matter at all. It was all bench minutes for that entire quarter. Let's, let's just kind of recap the first three games of this series. But I wanted to start by, so the Nuggets win the first four games against the Jazz this season, three in the regular season and game one 
of the playoffs, the average margin of victory in those games for the Nuggets, just over five points per game. Jazz win the last with the double overtime game pulling in a little higher and yeah. the Jazz got blown out in the post game. Yeah. Finished to eight, ten, twelve points instead of two points. But the last two games for the Jazz, and I'm glad that I didn't tweet this thought that I had near the beginning. It was probably early in the second quarter in game two. I was thinking to myself, man, are either of these teams capable of pulling away from the other? Well, the Jazz margin of victory over the last two games, 28 points per game, 19 in game two, 37 yesterday. Wow. Yeah. No, that's great. Love to see that. Things look really good, and the Nuggets have to figure something out. I don't know if it's taking Michael Porter Jr. off the court. I don't know if it's just yelling at Jokic really loud. I don't know if it's begging Will Barton and Gary Harris to like do some voodoo on their body parts to play again. Whatever it is, they've got to figure out something quick. And they came out today and said they're not practicing it all today. So take that for what it's worth. But if the Nuggets don't do something, the Jazz, I'm assuming, will continue to roll. Well, let's take that opportunity and talk about some of the adjustments the Nuggets might be able to take. First of all, Will Barton has left the bubble. He's, he's yeah. gone. Gary Harris hasn't played in the bubble or practiced in weeks. So even if he miraculously becomes healthy, he can't play in an NBA playoff game tomorrow. That's just not possible. No, so yeah, you got to throw that out. There's a chance of him that he returns this series, but I don't know if the series goes six or seven games to let him return. I, and even if he does return in game six, he's not going to be ready. No, not at all. Uh, so what are you going to do? Throw Gary Harris on the floor and have him say, defend Donovan Mitchell, the best player in the series? I don't think you can do that. Now, when I think about Nuggets adjustments, one thing that I, I think is possible should Jeremy Grant replace Paul Millsap in the starting lineup? Millsap has been okay, but he's not the player he used to be. He scored no. eight points yesterday. Defensively, he's become more of a liability than anything. The Nuggets are going to have to think about shortening that rotation and going to seven or eight guys in the lineup. And if that means that Paul Millsap loses some minutes, if Michael Porter Jr. loses some minutes, as bad as Jokic has been defensively, you can't take minutes away from him. He's too important to everything they do. Yeah, so Jeremy Grant did indeed start the second half yesterday, which usually is just your starters. So maybe that is them already making that adjustment. Too little too late for yesterday's game, obviously. But then, of course, the Jazz went out and dominated the third quarter anyway. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, maybe you go super, super big and you play Jeremy Grant at the three and get Porter Jr. off there. Because he's just not working defensively at all. But then you need the offense. Jokic can't do everything offensively. And the Nuggets are in a weird position. And let's be clear. They're going to blame injuries a little bit. And they do have some injuries. But so do the Jazz. And if you have Jokic and Murray, you've got to take responsibility for what happens. So, I think you're being nice, McCade. You, you say the Nuggets are in a little bit of a weird position. The Nuggets are in a bad spot right now because they can't they compete defensively. They look like they don't know what they're doing. One thing that David Locke has talked about a few times is how, how teams can adjust their offense over the course of a playoff series in the regular season, and it's not too disruptive. But defensively, you put in a system, you work on that system all year, you can't just change that defensive system once you get into the playoffs to match an opponent. And it seems like in a lot of ways that's what the Nuggets are trying to do. They weren't good defensively anyway, and now they're just they're they're just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. And... Unfortunately for them, nothing is working because the Jazz from Donovan Mitchell to Joe Ingles to Jordan Clarkson to Rudy Gobert yesterday, Mike Conley yesterday. Conley was 7 of 8 from 3. Congratulations on the child, Mike. Have a couple more. That was fun. 
but, that one's not sustainable. No. That's, obviously. That's but, the one like, okay, that's probably not sustainable. But I'll tell you what, if Mike Conley shoots three of eight from three and we only win by 27 points, I'll still be okay. You all right with that? You're so like, generous. We'll be fine. No, but, um, <laughs> and it's not, some other guys had some really bad shooting games yesterday. Donovan was terrible. Clarkson was terrible. Like, just because Conley went off, it all evens out player to player. So, as I said, there's not a lot of, okay, this is fluff. What do we have to do to actually keep winning? We just have to be able to keep moving forward and make some minor adjustments to counter the Nuggets adjustments, and things look really, really good. Does Quinn Snyder seem like he's two to three steps ahead of every adjustment so far in this series? Yeah, I actually thought the coaching was about even going into this series. Um, I really like Mike Malone, but Quinn is just, I don't know if it's just a motivation thing. Mike Malone just can't put together the motivation. He looked pretty frustrated on the bench yesterday or what it is. But Quinn is working in this series, just torching him. And so, yeah, that's a huge advantage to the Jazz at this point. And then you mentioned Donovan Mitchell not shooting the ball well yesterday. Five of 13 from the field, two of six from the three-point line. But what what's important from Donovan Mitchell and what's really changing things for him in the playoffs right now, one, his passing. He's just looking to pass and find the open shot more consistently. But he's getting to the free throw line. He was eight of nine from the free throw line yesterday. And even if you do have a bad shooting game, you get to the line. He's missed one free throw so far in these three playoff games. That's where the efficiency really takes a leap, and that's why Donovan Mitchell is so good. He's a perimeter-oriented player. He's going to have bad shooting nights. Everybody that that lives on the perimeter does have bad shooting nights, but if you can still get to the free-throw line, it changes things. Yeah, and he we're seeing versatility there. You know, He got there on a three-point shot that he had a good pump fake with two seconds on shot clock. He got there driving to the rim. He got there in the bonus off of Nuggets just were stupid foul. He got there in the bonus because he forced some contact. Hey, we're seeing different ways to get there, and that's huge. He's already set a career high for free throws made in the series, and we're three games in. He had six games against OKC and then five games against Houston twice, and he's already set his career high in three games for free throws made in the playoff series. And so that's nice to see. There's progress being made. You just hope at this point it's real progress and not the Nuggets are just terrible defensively. <laughs> but even if it's the Nuggets are terrible defensively, like any player, you gain confidence by seeing things go well. You see the ball yep. go in the hoop. You see that everything that coach has been telling you all season about if you drive and kick, you do these certain things, the little things on the basketball floor, it will work eventually. And if Donovan starts to see those things coming together even more so than they have previously in his career – that's just going to build this kid's confidence. And in year three in the playoffs, we've said it before, it's only three games in right now, but Donovan is showing the, the makings of a jump right now. He is. And so we'll see what happens. Um, but it's very promising over the course of the three games. Ironically enough, Winshare is for 48. Not my favorite stat in the world, but it is a pretty telling stat. And Donovan had a... Uh, 420 over the first two games and now it's up to 421 so even with how quote-unquote rough his game was yesterday it still went up and it's just Gobert and Mitchell are playing out of their minds right now and if that doesn't change I'm not sure the Nuggets can make an adjustment to win the series right now I, I think you have to say the Jazz have the two best players in the series based on how people
people have played so far. Jokic definitely can make a claim for being one of the two best players, but Donovan Mitchell, without a doubt, is head and shoulders above everybody else so far. There's a couple areas where I think the Jazz have really improved over the regular season and the eight restart games in the bubble. Rebounding, they, they've been a great rebounding team, especially offensively. They're getting almost 14 offensive rebounds per game. A lot of those are coming on back taps. You know, we, we've, especially over the first two games, Rudy rebounded the ball well yesterday, but the first two games, his rebounding numbers were down a little bit. But if you watch those games, there's a lot of back taps where he's, he's tapping the ball out to a guard and then they're able to reset the offense and get going again. The other area where I've been impressed with the Jazz and their discipline is in the turnover margin. They're averaging just barely over 12 turnovers a game so far in the playoffs. You win a lot of games just by maintaining possession of the ball. Before garbage time, do you know how many players had a turnover yesterday? I do not. Just one. Royce had four. The Jazz had one team, so they had five total. The Rudy three seconds in the key as uh, the other one. But that doesn't go to Rudy. That goes to the team, depending on the website. And then they had five in garbage time. Yang had one. Moutier had one. Oni had one, and so on and so forth. But Royce had four, and that was pretty much it for the rotation guys yesterday. Like, it's just been awesome. They're, things are just clicking really really well and there's just not a lot to complain about which is a good thing it is and we've we've worried about the jazz ability to force turnovers they had nine steals yesterday and jordan clarkson had a really good stretch defensively for all that we've worried about with him on the floor he had two straight possessions with steals where just his activity level created those steals and fast break opportunities for the jazz and they're getting production from every level of this roster, the starters, the the bench coming in and playing well. George Niang yesterday starts to break out of that shooting slump. He went six of nine from the field. He, he also played really well in game two, let's be clear. He did. But he, yesterday he was six impressed. of nine, four of six from the three-point line, 16 points. You can't ask for a whole lot more from guys like George Niang and, and Jordan Clarkson. Even Jawan Morgan's coming off the bench yesterday still had 22 minutes. And, yeah. and he was good. Four rebounds, three assists, a steal. Thanks for tuning in today. Home Court Press can be found on kbear.com. Just go to kbear.com forward slash home court press. We can also be found on any of your major podcatchers. And remember to listen, share, rate, and review so more people have an opportunity to listen. Lastly, give McCade Pearson a follow on Twitter at McCadep8. That's M-C-C-A-D-E-P-8. And you can find me, Brian Priest, on Twitter at bpriest24. That's B-P-R-E-E-C-E-24. As always, thanks for listening to Home Court Press, and now back to the show. Everybody had a steal yesterday, which is good to see. It's not like Conley's getting five steals or anything like that. Joe, Royce, Rudy, Don, and Mike all had one steal. So everyone's playing the passing lanes and causing some disruption for the Nuggets offense, and things are good. Um, one more thing I want to talk about with last night's game. Rudy Gobert led the team in field goal attempts with 15. Do you know how many times Rudy Gobert has led the Jazz in field goal attempts in his career? Off the top of my head, I couldn't think of any. So one time, I looked this up. I spent like 45 minutes going through basketball reference box to try and figure out if this has ever happened before. And it happened one time in the 81st game of the season back in 2015, right after we traded Cantor. And Rudy Gobert shot 9 for 16 in that game. Dirk Nowitzki didn't play for the Mavs. And the Jazz bench, Trey Burke, Alec Burke, Gordon Hayward, and Derek Favors. And uh, Gobert took 16 shots and second leading for the Jazz and field goal attempts. Bryce Totten was 15. <laughs> Talk about a throwback name. Jazz won by 17 that game. Um, 
But yeah, so it's good to see Rudy lead the team in field goal attempts. Good things happen when Rudy gets up a lot of shots. Really balanced uh, field goal distribution yesterday. As I think the Bears 15, Mitchell Conley Clarkson all had 12 or 13. Things just flowed well. It was good. Things are going really great. And now we just got to remember that it's a 2 1 series and not a 3 0 series and keep moving forward. We can't stall out and just assume this series is over with. You've got to keep playing hard. You've got to keep pushing. You can't get complacent at this point. If, if you're the Jazz, you really want to do everything you can to close this series out as fast as possible. That's assuming we're going to continue to see the level of play we've gotten. If the Nuggets' defense can't adjust effectively, this should be a five- or six-game series unless the Jazz beat themselves. And, and getting Rudy the ball, and just it changes the entire offense because you saw yesterday we've talked about Rudy's lack of commitment with Jokic on the perimeter and Rudy gets caught in the middle a lot. I mean, we saw that a ton yesterday with Jokic, and Jokic can't recover the way Rudy's able to typically, and it really breaks down that Nuggets defense when you get into the dribble drive. No, yeah, things... If the Jazz can keep up what they're doing, I really do not think there's a way for the Nuggets to win this series. The Jazz are going to have to do at least one or two things to beat themselves to give the Nuggets a chance. That being said, teams usually do beat themselves in a couple of ways as time goes on, so the Jazz got to figure out some things. Um, but Quinn will have him on the right page. Quinn, I don't think, is going to settle. I think he's going to make more adjustments between games three and four, just like he did between games two and three. And hopefully we see it continue to roll. I got some stats for you, always, right? I love it. That's why you're here. Okay. So we're talking playoff series, 2-2-1-1-1, two, two, one, 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 for sure seven games. So no five-game series from the first round back in the day. No old final series where they went 2-3-2. Two, two. We're just talking seven games, 2-2-1-1-1. Two, two, one, one, one. Teams without home court advantage to go loss on the road, then win on the road, and then win at home. So what the Jazz have done the last three games, happened 33 times. Did I say that clearly? Yes. You following? Mm-hmm. Got okay. you. If that team up 2-1 wins game four, they are 16-1 and one in the playoff series. The only exception being the 06 Lakers when Kobe hit that buzzer beater to force overtime and then in overtime against the Suns, and the Suns came back and won that 3-1. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the other side, if you're up 2-1 with game four at home and you lose game four, so it's tied 2-2 going back on the road, 3-13. and 13. The exceptions are the 4 Pistons came back from that, the 5 Celtics, and then the 2019 Blazers did this against the Nuggets. This is how the Blazers beat the Nuggets last year. Is exactly the path we're on right now if the Jazz were to lose tomorrow. But overall, that means the winner of Game 4 in these types of series wins 88% of the series. The Jazz have got to come out and win tomorrow. Putting them in a 3-1 hole, going on the road for Game 5, does a lot for the Jazz, especially emotionally and mentally. puts the Nuggets in a really tough position. If they lose Game 4 and it's tied 2-2, the momentum is a little bit back on Denver's side as they go quote-unquote home, it can get a little sketchy. Come out and win tomorrow. And let's just take care of business and get the series over with. Yeah, if you're the Jazz, you want to put the foot on the throat right now. You're playing every other day in the playoffs. So every opportunity you can give yourself to get a couple extra days rest is going to be huge, especially when we're looking at that Mavericks-Clippers series. If the Jazz advance, they're going to have to play the winner of that series. And it's starting to look over the last two games like the Clippers are going to be able to pull away from the Mavericks. Luka Doncic is having an MRI on an ankle. If Doncic can't play, that series is over, no matter how bad playoff B is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's been rough. No, but um, 
if things continue to go well, and I'm knocking on wood this entire podcast because you know, we're getting a little cocky and yeah, that's when bad things happen. But if things go well, the Clippers-Jazz will probably be game one on Saturday. And so if you let this thing get to six, you'll still just continue to go every other day. You might get an extra day off in the middle of that Clippers series. But you want to close the series earlier than later because, A, it's just comfortable. I like to close series in five games and not play game seven. And B, you do want some rest in this bubble environment where things are a little crazy and you're playing every other day. And not only are you playing every other day, but sometimes you're having a 60 hour break. And then sometimes you're having a 36 hour break, depending on when your game times are. And mm-hmm. I would like to enjoy the back half of this week and not stress about the Jazz. Yeah. And well, that'll give us a little bit of time to breathe, too, because we've been coming yeah. pretty fast and heavy with the podcasts. Hey, I love it. <laughs> Um, I wanted to bring up one other thing that so far we've talked about the Jazz beating themselves, and that's really what's going to have to happen for the Nuggets to get back in the series. And one thing that gives me a little bit of concern, I don't know that it's going to matter with the way the Nuggets have played defense so far. It hasn't mattered in the first three games. But to, to the eye test, Donovan Mitchell on his dribble drives, he gets caught in the air as he's trying to kick the ball out way too often. And against a disciplined defensive team, that could they could take advantage of that and force some turnover. So, like, if we look at round two and potentially facing the Clippers, a team that's got Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Patrick Beverly, if he's healthy, that, that could cause some problems. Even a couple more turnovers per game takes a, a one- or two-possession game and turns it into the last two minutes of garbage time or you know, lets a team back in. And so that's one thing that I think, in spite of how well Donovan has played so far in the playoffs, that, that's one thing he's going to have to work on is he needs to be more disciplined about maintaining his dribble and either getting to the basket for the shot or kicking it out. He's got to do that Nash dribble that a lot of people like to call it rather than getting up in the air and putting himself in a position where he has to force something. Yeah, he's doing a lot of both. He's had some really good natural moves this series, which we haven't seen a lot from Donovan, but there have been some interesting up-in-the-air passes. And right now they are working, and they look super cool, but long-term you'd like to see a little more control there. Um, but, of course, we're nitpicking right yeah, now. Because we are. We're, we're winning games by 30 points. So it's really just a wait and see and make sure everything's good to go moving forward. Um, you know the Nuggets going to come out firing with some passion at least you hope they do um and the jazz have really got to match that intensity level this is a game where the jazz are really gonna miss home court yeah, uh it if is. you look back to that thunder series which followed the same path of lose game one win game two and game three and that game four was nuts um and really intense really weird uh thunder hung around joe ingles hit like four threes to close the first half. You got Mitt Romney throwing up that West Westbrook has four fouls in the first half. Like these game fours and two on series where the underdog has the advantage get really unique and intense and just, it's just an awkward playoff feel, which is what makes everything fun. That's why we love the playoffs. You know, I always catch myself saying, Ooh, this game is really important, but that's the point of a seven game series is every game gets more and more important. So I'd love to see the jazz come out and take care of business, pick up a good win. And if they, I think if they can take that first punch from the Nuggets and punch them back, we could see the Nuggets kind of retreat again like they did yesterday. And talking about the home court advantage, I think yesterday was the first time I've gotten really nostalgic watching a Jazz game and thinking to, what would have this been like if if I was in in the Viv? You know, you and I both have access to season tickets. I've got 
several pairs of my own. And being in the arena for a playoff game like that with the crowd going nuts, there's there are few places in NBA arenas or other stadiums around the league that you get the feeling you do in Vivint Smart Home Arena when you've got all the fans decked out in the same colors or you know the city jerseys when they hand out the orange, red, and yellow or orange, black, and yellow shirts and they like it's so much fun in those games and I mean think about what that would have been like late in the first half when Conley really gets going or that that three-pointer he hit in the third quarter that Jamal Murray got whistled for a foul initially and it was taken away what does the home crowd do in those moments uh, the Jazz might have won by 45 or 50 if they're at home in that game yesterday and I missed having that environment I really did I hope we're back soon um but yeah, yesterday's would have been a very fun game because the thing with the playoffs and being at the game is blowouts aren't real. And you can feel that at home. You know, the Jazz were up 20 yesterday, and I was still like, oh my gosh, we're going to blow this, aren't we? Um, that's just how the playoffs are. And so when you hit a big three to push the lead from 21 to 24 in the regular season, you're like, that's not a big three. What are you talking about? But when you hit a three to push the lead from 21 to 24 in a playoff game of a 1-1 series, it still feels huge. And you still go nuts and they're like, that that's the reason the reason we're going to win this game. The, the heightened importance of playoff games is just so fun psychologically. At least to us, I don't know how the players feel. <laughs> but yeah, things are great, and we got to keep up that same level and go out and win the series. Because I have some fun and interesting facts for you if the Jazz win this series. I have no doubt that you've been compiling those fun and interesting facts. But I am not sharing those until <laughs> the Jazz win this series because. We're only through three games. We've got another probably three games to go. And uh, you're going to have to still win two of those. So A 2-1 series lead is by no means insurmountable. But, McCade, before we go really quick, let's just take a look around the league at the playoffs as they sit so far. We'll start with the four games that are going on today, Lakers and Blazers. The Lakers looked a lot better. Dame dislocated a finger. The Blazers could be in trouble in that series. They could. That being said, the Blazers won one quote-unquote, back at home. That's all you can ask for in the first two games of the split. It makes the series shorter, right? If you're the underdog, just make it shorter. Yeah. You can turn a best-of-seven series into a best-of-five series. That helps. Now, if you can turn a best-of-five series into a best-of-three series, that will help again. So, we'll see what happens there. The Rockets are taking care of the Thunder. That's 2-0. Um, but that game is a lot closer in game two, so maybe the Thunder can pull a game out and make that series interesting. And then the East is all boring. Yeah, we've maybe got... Maybe the Pacers today can make that a series against the Heat. Maybe. I it's, I really like that Heat team. If there's a team in the league that plays similarly to the Jazz, it's the Miami Heat. And I I just don't see the Pacers having the firepower to come back in that game or in that yeah. series as they trail 0-2. And then we've also got the Bucks and Magic series. The Magic pulled off a miracle victory in I Game 1. I money on the Bucks to win the championship this past couple weeks, but I'm a huge Magic lover. I don't know why. I just love the Magic, and half their players are like, my dream statistically. So I'd love to see the magic go up two one and just cause some drama there, but I doubt that's going to happen. Now I'm a DJ Augustin guy. I have heard you talk about him a lot as a backup point guard. I do. Uh, they have some fun pieces and Evan Fournier, of course, is really good. Bears like best friends forever. So that's always fun. Yeah. But yeah, I know I'm assuming the bucks take care of business and this is kind of our boring day. And then we're back to the fun stuff tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, we've already talked about the Mavericks Clippers. Clippers up 2-1, and it, it does appear, especially if Doncic can't go or if he's limited, that series might be over. And the two series in the East, Boston was able to come back yesterday late. They take a 3-0 lead. And the Raptors, 
the Raptors are ready to put away the Nets. It's it's just a matter of waiting for that game to happen. The Nets are ready to go home. Mysterio. They probably have already booked their flight for tomorrow night. So. Oh, without a doubt. But yeah, things are moving along. Uh, let's stop and say thank you, Adam Silver. The bubble's working perfectly. Another week of zero positives. Like this thing looks like it's a full go through the finals. Uh, another knock. A lot of knocking on wood. This podcast. We're getting really <laughs> comfortable. Um, things are great though. We're they are. Basketball playoff basketball has really good. As I said, I hope a couple of these series kind of go the other way, so we can get into some lengthier game sixes, game seven. But we'll see what happens. Tomorrow night. Now we don't have a day game for the Jazz it's in Game Four, so that's going to be seven o'clock. Find that on AT&T Sportsnet. The national broadcast is going to be TNT. And if you listen to my opening montage, I recommend you watch the TNT broadcast. It's just better. I think you're going to be happier as a Jazz fan. But looking forward to that one. Somehow, even with the night game, I'm still working during the game. So who knows when I'm going to get a chance to watch it. The NBA is just killing me with their scheduling. But this is going to be a fun one. This is an opportunity the Jazz have to come out and really put the pedal down, put their foot on the throat of the Denver Nuggets, and essentially end this series if they can get a win in Game 4. Yep, and then Tuesday, we're probably going to be the 4.30 game. Um, there's a slight chance it's a 2 o'clock game, but uh, if the Raptors and Celtics take care of business on Sunday, because they don't even have a Game 5 scheduled yet, then it'll be the 4.30 game. Uh, they already announced Mavs Clippers as the 7 o'clock game, like normal, as always. LA has to play every night game. Except for on the weekends when they get the afternoon game because that's prime time. And hopefully we talk on Wednesday morning about the Clippers Mavericks series. would be the dream. But yeah, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, going for that crucial, crucial 3-1 lead that teams do not blow very often. All right, McCade. Well, let's keep it going. Let's hope Donovan Mitchell can take care of things. Mike Conley continues to shoot the ball well. Rudy Gobert continues to take advantage of a lack of Nuggets defense and the the Jazz can put together another win in game four so thank you for listening to Home Court Press one last note before we go if you're listening to the pod if you like what you hear we'd love to have you share rate and review this podcast just just so we can kind of expand the platform and get more people access to it I you know speaking for myself I think you feel the same way McKay we're having a lot of fun putting this show together and sitting down talking jazz basketball on a daily basis and hopefully the listeners enjoy what they're hearing so if you could just take that two minutes to share rate and review us that would be wonderful but i think that'll wrap us up for today jazz play tomorrow night sunday night at seven o'clock and go jazz